Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Do you ever wonder why the enemy is always trying to get between us and God? Trying to mess with us? I mean, how many of you believe in an, a real enemy? I know that's not usually what we ask in church, but still, Satan is real, and he doesn't like you, and he doesn't want anything good for you, and he's trying to mess with your mind, your emotions, and your will all the time. We're in a battle, but we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen? Praise God for that. You know, uh, it's, falling, it's falling on me again to be, uh, to be able to preach something that is not always easy to say. So, I need you to pray for me right now. How many of you will pray for me right now? Good. Lots of prayer warriors out there. So, we're going to talk about taming the tongue. Doesn't that sound exciting? Taming the tongue. My scripture reading is going to be found in the third chapter of James. So if you have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen as well. I'm going to read these verses to you to begin. James chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 5. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, for you know that we who teach shall be judged with greater strictness. For we all, we all make many mistakes. If anyone makes no mistakes in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body also. If we put bits in the, the mouths of horses that they may obey us, we can guide their whole bodies. Look at ships also. Though they are great, so great are, and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. You don't have to say too much to get into trouble. If you know what I mean. There are times when all of us say the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong people and everything turns out bad. God doesn't want that to happen to us. God wants us to be able through his spirit to gain control of the things we say. There's power in words. You can either bless or you can curse. You can encourage or you can discourage. You can gossip or you can just keep your mouth shut. That's the alternative to gossiping, is keeping your mouth shut. Is that okay? James makes it really clear in the 8th verse, which I didn't read, but in the 8th verse of this chapter, he says that no human being can control their tongue. That means it's impossible for me to control my tongue. Nothing's impossible with God, but it's difficult for me at times to control what I say. And I am a teacher, so I have to be answer to God for everything that comes out of my mouth, when I, especially when I'm standing in front of God's people speaking the Word of God. I'm responsible for everything I say up here. I have to give an account for what I say to you. So I, I have this strict judgment upon me that I must tell you the truth. It isn't always pleasant. You may not want to hear everything I have to say today, but I'm still going to say it anyway because God wants us to speak the truth. 
please understand God loves you. Please understand God does not want to hurt you. Please understand that God's hand is upon you to bless you. Know that in everything I'm saying to you this morning. Just know God hasn't fallen out of love with you for any reason. He loves us supremely. He is the almighty God and he loves us every single one. It's obvious to me that we need something outside of ourselves to control our tongue. We need the Holy Spirit. We sing about the Holy Spirit today. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us to speak that which is good, that which is right. You know, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, help me. You know, the only, the only thing that is so difficult for us is to humble ourselves. It's hard for us to admit that we ever mess up, but we all mess up. Maybe you haven't messed up this week yet, but the week's just started. This is the first day of the week. The only place where, where you can say that uh, it's hard to be humble is like the old country song, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> you ever hear that song? Yeah, it's kind of silly, but it's true. You know, we heard last week about the power of the tongue and the power of what we speak. It can either bless or it can curse. We want the Holy Spirit to take control of what we say. We want the Holy Spirit to speak through us what he puts into our heart. You know, it has to come out of our heart. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get into trouble with what I say. I hear some amen. My wife's probably here somewhere saying amen twice. You know, we get into trouble sometimes, and you can't help it because everybody gets into trouble with their mouth. Our mouth is difficult to control. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. So if we get control of what we say, we'll stay out of trouble. Right? Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is wise. It's wise to not talk too much. How many of you ever met a Gabby person? Talking all the time, never stop, non-stop. You know, sometimes I'm that way, I think. I just keep talking and talking and talking until somebody says, just hush, just calm down. We have to take responsibility for what we say. Each one of us has a personal responsibility. And especially those that teach others. You say, well, that's for pastors and teachers. No, that's for everybody. Every person is teaching someone. You teach your children, you teach your friends, your circle of, of, of contacts. You're always teaching something, always showing something. And so we have to be careful what we teach because we have to answer to God for it. You know, he talks about horses. Have you ever, have you ever, ever been on board a, a, an unruly horse? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's fun, but it, the fun doesn't last too long, especially when you hit the pavement after he's thrown you off. My, my cousin Tom had an unruly horse, and we used to go to Aunt Frieda's house who lived on a farm, and we always wanted to ride this horse, but he was unruly. I mean, we put a bit in his mouth, and, but you couldn't control him even with that. 
we tried a scissor bit. And some of you cowboys probably know what that is. I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on a horse's mouth. And so you can guide the horse's whole body by putting a bit in his mouth. But this horse was different. He was a horse demon-possessed horse, I think. <laughs> I think something was in him that just wasn't right. We'd get on board this horse and ride him out to the pastures. And they had a barn, and beside the barn was this huge post, just enough room for a horse to run between the barn and the post. And if you took that horse out into the pasture and let him turn his head back toward the barn, you better just hold on real tight because he's going back there like a bat. I'm trying to guard my tongue. But he's back, but he didn't just go back to the barn. He always ran between the barn and the post every single time. You knew it was coming. You got your hands on the reins and saying, whoa, but he just keeps on going. And when he gets to the post, he moves as close as he can to it so he can brush you off his back. <laughs> didn't always work because we outsmarted him a few times. But he thought, well, there you go. I'll just wait till I get on the pavement on the cement paddock, and then I'll start bucking. Well, that's what he did, and he bucked me off every time. I hated that horse. But you don't want to be like that, right? We want to be like a horse that takes the bit and does what he says, right? Big ships, little rudders. Big ships are driven by fierce winds, James says, but they're controlled by one small rudder. The pilot just controls the direction with the rudder. You know, what we need is a pilot to control the direction of our lives. We need the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name to guide our lives, to help us get control of our wild, wind-blowing tongues. I read this article. It was in the Harvard Business Review. Actually, I pulled it up on computer, so there you go. So he asked this question, why do people talk too much? You know anybody that talks a lot? Well, this is for them. I'll pretend you didn't say that. So the question is asked, why do people talk too much? Two reasons he gives. The first is a simple reason. All human beings belong to be listened to. I understand that. The second reason is even more interesting. Because the process of talking about ourselves releases dopamine, the pleasure hormone. One of the reasons Gabby people keep gabbing is because they become addicted to the pleasure. Dopamine, you know, like a good cup of coffee or a nice great big snicker bar. It just makes you feel good, right? When you talk about yourself a lot, it makes you feel good. That's why we do it. John Wesley was a great preacher. John Wesley, a founder of the Wesleyan Methodist, a man of God. He was preaching in a service, and he had a brand new bow tie. He was quite proud of it. His bow tie was tied in the bow, and he had two streamers hanging down in front of his chest. So he preached one night, and a lady came up to him afterward, and she said, you know, I couldn't hear a word about Jesus tonight because I kept looking at your bow tie. I don't like those streamy things that are down from your bow tie. So John Wesley, being a wise man that he was, he said, does anybody have some scissors? 
Somebody raise their hand. Yes, sir, here they are. So he said, bring them to me. They bring the scissors to John Wesley, and he cuts the two hanging down parts off of his bow tie. And the lady looks dumbfounded. And she starts to walk away, and he says, wait just a minute. Take these shears, because your tongue is offensive to me, and I want you to cut some of it off. I've heard about people that have a tongue that loose at both ends, wags at both ends. Have you ever, none of you ever experienced that, right? Well, all I have to do is ask my daughter, Andrea, to give me a story, and I will hear every detail of that story. I don't know if she's sitting here or not. She is. Yeah, there she is back there in the back somewhere. She's not mad at me yet. I don't think. But like I, I told the people in the first service, I have a tendency to run my mouth too much. I'm a preacher. What do you expect? We do talk a lot, but we have to make sure that what we say lines up with this word. I like what, James, uh, what uh, Proverbs 18.13 says. It said, he who answers a matter before he hears it is, is, it is a folly and a shame to him. I have a tendency to think what I'm going to say while somebody's talking. I'm, I'm already thinking, well, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to say. It's in my, I'm not listening to them because it's all in my head. I know what I'm going to say here. I'm just, I just hear one word and then I start thinking, ah, this is how I'm going to respond. But the truth is, you should listen to every word before you respond. So God help me. You know, if I do that to you, just stop me, okay? You know, it, it's, it's awful to interrupt I live in a family of interrupters. At our house, when I grew up, everybody talked at the same time. I mean, it's the craziest thing you've ever heard. When my wife first met my family, she thought we were all nuts because everybody talked. You could hear what's going on, but it was like a, a din of noise. Everybody speaking up, butting in, this and that and the other, you know. And it's not very pleasant. And I'm, I'm sorry that I have to admit that that's in my background. And I'm trying to overcome. So you help me, will you? Look at, look at James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brethren. I love how God sets us up and then smacks us, you know. <laughs> know this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Do you hear what James is saying? He's saying stop talking and listen. Listen to the truth of God. Listen to his word. Let his word get into your heart. Let it be deeply rooted into your life. Because that's the only thing that will come out and bring blessing. When we get the word inside of us, we can speak words of truth. We can speak what's in our heart because all of our words come from the abundance of our heart. Jesus even said from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that is the truth. It is a matter of the heart. It is. Look at James chapter 3. I think they might be up on the board. James chapter 3 verse 8. Let me just read a, a few verses, four verses here. Verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord 
and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. See, it's what's down inside that comes out of us. It's what, that's what defiles us. You know, the Pharisees were very religious in Jesus' day, and they washed their hands ceremonially a lot. And they complained because Jesus' disciples ate their food and they didn't wash their hands. Well, by the way, that's kind of dumb. So, you know, when you eat your food, please wash your hands. You know, we live in a modern age today. And so it's a good idea to wash your hands. But it's not supposed to be a, a, a religious ritual. And that's what it was with them. And so Jesus had to deal with that situation. And he does in Matthew chapter 15, verse 10. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, that defiles the man. Listen to this. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when you heard this, when they heard this saying? He probably did, but he probably didn't care much. You know? If you don't offend some people by speaking the truth, then you're probably not telling the whole truth. Yeah. Here's what Jesus said. Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They're blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and so passes on? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This defiles a man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a man. Not eating without washing his hands. This is straightforward. I understand that. I know it is. It's not one of those kind of messages that wants you to jump out of your seat and dance up and down the aisles in praise. But it is something we need to hear. We need to hear that God wants our hearts to be right and pure. And he wants that to produce the kind of words that we ought to be speaking. I mean, how can you bless your brother one day and curse him the next? All of us are critical. Almost every human being I know is critical. I may be more than, than most because I'm a preacher. So I have this gift of the Spirit called criticism. And it comes and it goes. You didn't know that was a gift of the Spirit? Only among Pentecostals. So what do you do when... You're having trouble with what you say. Well, you do one simple thing. It's a simple word. Repent. I had to repent this morning. And I think I have to repent almost every day. Never a day goes by. They don't have to say, sorry, Lord. Right? Are you with me? All these perfect people in this church. 
You all know who King David was in the Bible, right? He was a king, a mighty man, a great man. Did great things, did mighty things, mightily used of God. He did big, big sins just like he was a, a big, well-known man. His sins were just as big as his kingship, right? Did a terrible sin, committed adultery, and then had the woman's husband murdered so he, she, so he could have the woman. And that went on for a long time, and he just kind of hid it away in his heart. And, and, uh, but he says in one place that his bones were breaking, that God put pressure on him. And then he sent this little prophet along with his bony little finger in King David's face, and he said to him, David, thou art the man. And David's heart broke. Listen to what he says. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will return to thee. Listen to this prayer. This prayer is a prayer of deep contrition, of deep repentance, a prayer of a man who has faced his sin of a man whose sin has broken his bones, a man whose sin has driven him to his knees to the point that he cries out for God's forgiveness and God's cleansing. And God won't withhold that from you. He's willing to forgive you, ready to forgive you. Amen. And we want to help people, don't we? I want to help people. And I know I can help them if the Holy Spirit has changed my heart in such a way that what I speak is truth and it's spoken in love. It may be hard, but it's still the truth and I'll still speak it in love and God will bring the results that He wants. Amen. See, we've got to get the Word in our hearts, folks. We've got to get it down inside of us. And when we get the Word in our hearts, then our tongue will be in agreement with God. The truth of God's word must come from the heart. Yes, God help me. That's what I have to say, God help me. So, you know, when you start talking about this, people start feeling guilty. And some people get mad. Some husbands say, yeah, I know about that. Some wives say, yeah, I know about that. But what do we do when, when we need to Put a guard on our, on our mouth. Call upon the Lord. That's why. Call upon the Lord. Because he's the only one that can control the tongue. You can't do it no matter how hard you try. You will fail every time. I think about the prophet in the Bible. Isaiah was his name. He was a mighty man of God. He was called by God to speak God's truth. And he was to speak that truth without fear or favor. He was always to say what God had put in his heart. He was careful not to say what God hadn't put in his heart. I've known a few so-called modern-day prophets. They just prophesy what they think is right. But it's got to come from the heart. Yeah, it's got to come from the heart. If it doesn't come from the heart, it's probably not from God. I think it has to come from the heart. And this man needed a heart fix. He needs a change of heart. He needed a change of attitude. He, he, he lived during the time of Uzziah, the king, and he was a king of Judah who always did what pleased the Lord until his latter days, at least. He was doing what was right, and, and all the people were happy because they were prosperous. 
it sounds like America today. People are happy because the economy's up, so praise God for that. We're happy, and we don't have to worry because we've got a big army, and we can defend ourselves, and everything's cool. And that's the way it was when Uzziah was the king of Judah. Everything was peaceful. Everything went along just fine. And some believe that Isaiah stood back from this and just said, well, there's no need for me to say anything. Everything's going along so good that I don't have to open my mouth. So he was keeping silence, perhaps, instead of speaking the truth. It's easy to do that. If you ever go on Facebook and see the garbage that's on Facebook, uh, and, and you, get, you get mad, <laughs> and you look at it, and then you, you want to do something about it, but you can't. And, and if you respond to it, you're sorry because 15 other people will respond back to you, and it just gets to be a, a real mess. I think Facebook might be an invention of the enemy. <laughs> Did you hear that? I think Facebook might be an invention of the enemy. So what happens to this man? He encounters God. I tell you what, when you see the Lord, things change. Uzziah died. And when Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. A vision of God. He saw the Lord in all of His glory and His power. And he saw these seraphim. And they had six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two wings they covered their feet, and with the two wings left over they were able to fly. This is his vision, the vision of these godly creatures that were praising God and glorifying God and talking about how holy God was. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And I said in the first service that we need the revival of preaching concerning the holiness of God. God is not on our level. He is above us. He is beyond us. Jesus made it possible for us to interact and, and have a relationship with he who is above all. Through Jesus, we can have a relationship with that God. But never forget, God is holy, always holy, ever holy, never makes a mistake, never speaks out of turn, never fails to do what is good and what is right because he is holy. He is sovereign and he is holy and we have to live up to his holiness. And I can't do that by myself. So I'm going to preach about the holiness of God, if it's okay with you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the holiness of God in person. And we need to follow after him with everything we've got. When, when Isaiah saw this thing and he heard these, these seraphim saying, holy, holy, holy. I think there was a weight. You know, the, glory, the word glory means weight. Heavy weight. I think the heaviness of his failure was so heavy that he could hardly stand. And what else could he do but say, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I think he just was keeping silent when he should have been speaking up. That's just my take on it. You see, the beautiful thing about this story is when the prophet faced his difficulty and God changed his focus and God showed him what he was really like, he, all he could do was cry out 
Woe is me. And then God in his grace, and it's his grace alone, he sends a seraphim to the altar with tongs, and he picks up a live coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips and says, you are clean, your sin is purged. You can go out now and declare the wholeness of God. He had to have that experience to become the prophet that he became. He needed that touch. He needed that cleansing from within. I say, I believe God cleanses us from within. And he cleans our heart up. And when he cleans our heart up, he cleans our mouth up. And when he cleans our mouth up, he cleans everything up. Amen. Amen. You know, God answered his prayer. And, and I don't know totally how that all happened. But I believe that there are times in our life when we don't have any words to pray. I mean, his prayer is pretty short. Woe is me. Short prayer. There are times when you don't know how to pray. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes in to the picture. And when we can't pray, we don't know what to say. I've been dumbfounded before God before. I mean, I've seen things that happen and things that I have even done that dumbfounded me. And I couldn't pray because I didn't know what to say. You ever been there? The Bible says the Holy Spirit will pray for us in circumstances like that. That the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit knows how to pray in our place. What a blessing. Pastor Lauren mentioned about Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And there's a mention in there how that they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to do that. They were words that they hadn't learned. They were words that inspired by the Holy Spirit. God touched their hearts. God changed their minds. And out of their minds, their tongue spoke the glorious things of God. What a wonderful thing it was. And God has given us this gift of speaking in tongues so that we can communicate freely without having to worry about what to say. Because the Holy Spirit will pray through us. I think that's a wonderful gift. I don't know about you, but I don't always know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit does know how to pray. And he will pray through us. And we will be able to control our tongues by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God changed my heart. That's what I say. I wonder how many of you this morning would join with me in saying, Woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone. You know, we think about this in terms of teaching and preaching and so forth, but there's also this idea of worship. You know, you need to worship out of your heart. See, a lot of times we come to church and we just sing these songs we've been singing for years, and we know them all, and we sing them. But if it doesn't come from your heart, it's not pure worship. Is it? I mean, I'm not saying it's fake worship. I'm just saying that it's just uh, soulish worship. It's worship from my mind. And my emotions. God wants more than your mind, your emotions, and your will. God wants your spirit, soul, and body, all three portions of your life and who you are, to be involved in pure, sincere worship. Hallelujah. So when you worship, make sure it's coming from your heart. 
You know, don't be a person of unclean lips, but let us worship the Lord in sincerity and in truth. God wants to bless you today. I believe that. I don't think God gave me this message to, to make you feel bad or guilty. I think God gave me this message so that all of us together can lift our hearts to the Lord and say, God, help us in our weakness and give us the strength and courage we need to examine our hearts and follow your word. So, Lord, thank you for the word today. I pray, Lord, that you have spoken to us, not just a man, not just a, a man in the pulpit, but that the Holy Spirit will take these words right now and put them deep into our hearts, deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me? I'd just like for us to take a moment and let, this, let these words sink into our hearts. We are standing in the presence of a holy God who knows all about us, knows our every thought, who understands everything that is involved in our life and our living. A holy God who wants to receive us and bless us, who wants to change us, challenges us, yes, but only for our good. Holy Lord, we come before you heavy in some ways, because we've missed the mark. So my prayer right now, Lord, is that you will take one of those coals from the altar of submission and humility and place it on our lips and cleanse us today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. How many of us would raise our hands and say, I need help this morning. I really need help. I'm not looking. I just, just before the Lord, I just ask you to raise your hands. If you sense your deep need of Jesus right now, if it's the first time you've ever felt your need for Jesus, I pray that you respond to him and his love as he draws you to himself. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you speak these words of declaration with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I come into your presence. I am undone. An unfinished product. But I want you to touch my life. Change my thinking. Cause me to fall before you in humility and in brokenness, and forgive my sin. Forgive my sin. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you for victory that we have in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could we just give the Lord a, a praise? Just thank him. Let's just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm not going to make an altar appeal, but if you want prayer afterwards, please feel free to come up.
And in the meantime, pray for one another. Pray for one another, all right? Look at, look at people sitting next to you. Pray for them this week, all right? If you don't know their name, find out before you leave here. And let's pray for each other. We all need help, every one of us. May God bless you. And may he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. And may he give you his peace. In Jesus' name, be blessed. And bless somebody.